guys welcome to momhood today is a day that we have wanted really in for like two years this is season two we've been wanting to interview miss debbie metnopolis this entire time and finally it worked there was enough downtime where we could steal <laughs> i know an steal hour and her and a half from of her all time. of her businesses and jet setting to greece and what i love about debbie is she has been such a huge supporter of momhood since the beginning oh I can't believe it's Seriously. been a year since we sat across from her at Home and Family doing our interview, yes. talking about the podcast. I love how anytime I would go to Home and Family, it was so apparent that she was listening to the pod. And so she knew yeah. all of our inside jokes and the stories. And that just feels so good to know that, you know, someone like her is listening yeah. to Momhood. It really is very cool. This is another one of those really cool examples of when you hear of what someone was like as a little kid, you look at them in with a whole new appreciation <laughs> as an adult. Like I've known Debbie a really long time. I've worked with Debbie closely. She's been a good friend for a long time. Tons of these stories I never knew. Mm -hmm. The details of like her as a young girl, details of her moving to New York, working at MTV, how The View came to be, how she met Barbara Walters, what she was wearing, like the her memory is insane and she really shares not only her story which is incredible but what she learned like there are moments where she goes on these beautiful little tangents of like talking to you guys and being like listen for any of you listening this is a great example don't do this like mm -hmm. she really uses her story as a vehicle for sharing advice um it's so 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 freaking awesome we're so happy that this finally happened it was like just the best. All the good feelings. Oh, so good. So we hope that you enjoy it. If you guys are listening to this and you're finding yourself laughing or crying or going, what? At any point, I hope that you will <laughs> screenshot your phone, post it, and share it on your social media. Tag Debbie. Tag us so we can reshare it. Send it to a friend. You know, leave us a review. Do all the things that let people know that Momhood is here with all this amazing interview content, all this great stuff going on. Um, we love you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy this one. It's a hoot. You say Momhood? Momhood. <gasps> Funny. Debbie Metnopolis, the day is finally here. Can you believe it? Yay! Oh my god, I'm so excited, girls. This is so fun. It's so nice to see your beautiful face. Uh, it's so good to see you too, Orly. I mean, but I <sighs> practically see you every day anyway. I know. And the days I, I don't see you are very, I'm very your, grim. I'm in your You're dreams. Thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Randy. <laughs> so, Deb, we would love to start with kind of like a quick little lay of the land about just like childhood. So where did you grow up? How many siblings did you have? Like, what's your birth order? Tell me that. Um, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia to a very, very Greek family. Yes. Um, I have an older brother and an older sister. Um, I did not speak English until I went to elementary school. Greek is my we first language. No. Yeah, I know. I can't oh. believe you didn't know this about me. I did not speak a word of English until I was five years old. So I went to elementary. Well, actually, it was four is when I started kindergarten. So oh my when, because we only spoke Greek at home and my, um, I'm the first person in my entire family to be born in America because my sister and my brother, my mom and dad, obviously my whole family wow. were born in Greece. My dad uh, got a, his, well, one of his friends, let me back up a little bit. One of his friends had moved to South Africa from this, his, the town that, that my mom, my dad, and my sister and brother lived in, um, Xanthi, Greece, which is sort of, um, if you're looking at America, 
it would be like the equivalent of the East Coast of America, like right where Virginia is in America. So it's on the okay. coast and on the east. And that's where they're from in Greece. And they moved here almost in the exact geographic location. <laughs> it's crazy. So um, one of his friends had moved to South Africa. And this was before the apartheid, before any of this. And he was like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. You should come here. It's such a beautiful place. There's so much opportunity. You know, that's such a beautiful country. There are lots of Greeks in South Africa. So my father said, okay, yeah, I want to go to South Africa. My body's there. And my, my father was a woodworker, a carpenter, and he made furniture for a living in Greece even. So he was one of his buddies that worked with him. So he said, okay. So he went to the Greek embassy. He rode his motorcycle, not even a car, rode his motorcycle 10 hours from Ksanthi to Athens, went to the Greek embassy. Oh, my God. No, to the South African embassy, excuse me, in Athens. And um, without an appointment because they wouldn't get back to him because he'd written. So he literally just sat there waiting. And oh, my God. Like, he, the story is pretty fantastic the way he used to tell it. So he's waiting, waiting, waiting. They're like, you know, whatever, buddy. Like, you don't have an appointment. They're ignoring him. The door was cracked to the man they needed to talk to. The assistant walked out. He walked in. He said, hi there. My name is Nico Matinopoulos. I would like to apply for um, a visa to go to South Africa to work, blah, blah, blah. They said, yeah, sure. We'll see. We'll get back to you. They sent him a letter and they say, unfortunately, at this time, we cannot feel safe as uh, as a government for sending our citizens to a place that's going to be have such political unrest because the wow. apartheid was about to happen. And they said, we would be responsible for having to get our citizens out of South Africa. We can't do that. And he was devastated because he was like, I, you know, I want to leave this tiny little town. I want to give a better life to my family. So he decided that he would go to the American embassy and do the same thing. Holy crap. (laughs) So he was like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. He went to the American embassy only because South Africa wouldn't let him in. He went to the American embassy, walked in. And at that time, America was the borders were wide open. They wanted people from everywhere. That's why America's a melting pot. What year is this? Like what year is this basically? Uh, This would be, gosh, this was 68. Wow. Yeah, 68, 69, somewhere like that. So they say, yes, what, you know, what are, what are your skills? He said, well, I am a, I'm a carpenter. I make furniture for a living, blah, blah. He reached out to one person he knew in America to see if he would sponsor him. Cause you needed a sponsor. Yeah. They oh said, gosh. you do you know anyone, this guy named Jim who lived in Richmond, Virginia. Wouldn't you know it? Six months later, my father, my sister, my brother, my mom are on oh. a plane. They don't speak English. My mom was kicking and fighting and screaming and saying, what are you doing? We have two two little babies. Where are you taking us? I don't even speak the language. I, and my mom was 27 years old. And she's oh like, gosh. "I my whole family's here. My life is here. I, I My mom was a hairstylist and still is. She had like a hair salon. She's like, I don't speak By English. Way, I need you to do at least one of these things in her accent. <laughs> I mean, you have this, <laughs> you have this ability and you're holding out on us. I will do it. So she, he says, and, and then she, she left him and went and lived with my grandmother with the kids. Oh and they knew God. how to say like, literally, hello, goodbye. My name is Nico Matenopoulos. My name is Efrosini Matenopoulos. Wow. And they put themselves through night school, learned to speak English, oh, continued geez. with it. My mom found a job at this wonderful place called Dranoff's Beauty Salon. This wonderful Jewish family in the South. Again, we were immigrants in the South. It doesn't really, wow. immigrants in the South. At that time, yeah, a little tricky, a little yeah. bit tricky. And it's, you know, it's still a little tricky. So anyway, 
five years later, I was born and I was a major oops. They did not expect like they were suddenly going to have another child in America and like, you know, they're busting their butts to make ends meet, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, oopsie. And here I am. And then I didn't mean. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> I, I'm like, I had no idea that. Well, I didn't know any of that. I mean, I knew obviously that you're from, that your whole family was from Greece, but I had no idea you could have ended up in South Africa, that your mom wasn't on board right away. I mean, all of that is such a, that's such an interesting dynamic. And then once you, once they were settled and in America, it was like all in or were there, was there ever a thought about moving back at some point? Oh my gosh. He, the only reason my mom came, she said, okay, Two, three years, we're going to stay here. We're going to make some money. I'm going to return to Greece. I don't want to stay here. But she used to tell me she would cry every day because she couldn't communicate. It was Mm -hmm. so frustrating. And she would literally, she said, Debbie, I would cry every day because the way people would treat me. Now, my mom is this Mm -hmm. tiny little blonde woman with blue eyes. And you would, she, she looks American, but she wasn't. And they, I mean, I have vivid memories of growing up and being at a grocery store and, and having, people like the the cashiers say to like my mom would be like you know counting the money and getting it out for them whatever and she'd be like I'm sorry I don't understand and they would be so rude to her and speak louder like and be like ma'am and I remember one time I stood up for her I said my mom is not deaf she just speaks Mm -hmm. a different language like people can be really rude and and Mm -hmm. hurtful and not have much compassion when when they don't understand a different culture. You know, I so, would say it's, it's it's just naivety and it's it's yeah. miseducation. It's not even un- uneducation, it's miseducation. So the way that they treat people can be really hurtful. And I think because of that, I have an incredible amount of empathy for people who, who go through that. And, you know, you might look at me and not know that, but my God, I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't always the easiest. But also this goes back to when you, Orly, and I were talking about mm-hmm. your dad. And remember, yeah. I started crying in the makeup room. I said, you can't yeah. do that to him. You can't do that to him because I know how hard my family worked to even just put food on our table. So what to Debbie's me, I was talking like. About, what Debbie's talking about is I was sharing that, you know, my dad was, is retiring and he is from Israel, came here in the 70s, built a business, a wallpaper and paint business from the ground up. And none of us are taking it over. You know, my <sighs> brother's works within video, you know, video editing, entertainment. My sister works in kind of philanthropy and I do what I do and no, and the business was going to die. And you were, you were like, no. adamant about it. I said, you <laughs> yeah. cannot do this. I said, yeah. and, and I, and I know that struggle firsthand because I lived it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think as difficult as it was for me being first generation and, and having such strict parents and not being able to do so many things. Like I remember literally, I remember having to take clothes to the bus stop and changing. Cause my father wouldn't let me wear, wear certain things out of the house. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, we've all been there this. for sure. Would you say that you got a lot of your entrepreneurial spirit and drive from your parents because you know how hard they worked to get here and kind of what all was oh. at risk, even as a five-year-old girl? Jesus. Yeah, Brandy, so much so. Oh my gosh, yeah. so much so. Because I, you know, they, they would always try to, no matter how little we had, it always seemed like we had a lot. But you know, kids know. And I'd be like, gosh, my mom is working so hard just to be able to get me this or so hard just to be able to send me to, to be able to, to, you know, take lessons to do swimming or to do soccer or whatever it is, because everything costs money. And, and I saw how hard they worked and how little they had and how they were able to turn it in to something great. 
Yeah, no, we, I never grew up with a lot of money. We were not rich. I always had hand-me-downs. I always got my sister's clothes. I always got my first car was my sister's old car. Like I, you know, I never, ever had anything new and it was okay with Mm. me because I saw how much they, they wanted to give me and that's, that's what they could. So I would never, ever, I never feel like I'm above any job ever. I never feel like I'm better than anyone next to me because that person is just as, as capable as I am. I've been giving given amazing opportunities. And I always say, don't pass up an opportunity because you never know. It might not be exactly what you want at that moment, but that will lead to something else. My father didn't speak the language and he got up and moved to family. Me yeah. taking a chance is so minimal compared to that. Well, I think it made me take more chances. Yeah. I think it made me take more chances and made me feel like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Am I going to die? Okay, when you, when you think about taking a chance, really lay it on a piece of paper. Will you or your loved ones die if this does not work? If the answer is no, then second thing, will you or your loved ones be hurt? If the answer is no, again, you know what to do. It's okay. It's just, you will never know success if you don't fail. And, and I think you learn the most in life from failure. You know, when, when everything's easy and you're always on top, it's like, what are the lessons there? It's really yeah. great and it's cushy and it's amazing and you're grateful and you're thankful. But what are you really learning? How are you really becoming a better person at all? How are you I mean, growing? How are you how expanding? Are you, yeah. How are you How are you having to be entrepreneurial? What did you want to be? What did you think that you were going to grow up to be? Um, first, I thought I was going to be a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that. I love it. <laughs> so I wanted to be a bus driver so much because I loved our bus driver. Her name was Miss Dotson, of all things, the car name. Miss Dotson. And I used to oh love God. watching her drive with a big wheel and shift the gears. And I thought, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. In my oh my life. God. I mean, I love it. And then after that, I didn't, I wasn't exactly sure. Like, I, I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with entertaining people. And mm-hmm. I, but I, and I know why this is because being the youngest in the family, I was always the one that sort of unintentionally or maybe intentionally fixed things. You know what I mean? If things were going wrong, if people were fighting, if things were difficult, remember I am so young. I'm so much younger than all of them that I could come in and I could make them smile. And I remember that distinctly. Like if someone was sad, I had the ability to make them smile and it, but yes. the only reason was because I was so much younger than all of them. And they're like, oh, look at the little kid. You know what I mean? I can make my dad smile. I can make my mom smile. And I always just wanted to, to make people happy and make people smile. Mm-hmm. So I figured out the way to do it is to act kind of silly as a kid. That's like all kids do. And then as I got older, I, I was, well, I was very inquisitive as a kid too. All I wanted to do was ask questions, which was super annoying to my sister and my brother. Super annoying. <laughs> they did not want me around. I'd be like, what about that? Why is that? Why is that? They'd be like, can yeah. you just stop? You are so annoying to me right now. I love it. I love it. So I just always ask questions. And from sixth grade, I was the um, the on the editor on the editing board of the yearbook, and I became like historian and like I would yeah. take the pictures. So I was always into that sort of thing. And, and 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 then when I got older, I really wanted to work in the music business. And if there was anything I really could have done in my life, but I have absolutely zero musical ability, it would have been to be, to be some sort of musician, whether it's a singer or uh, play the piano or uh, playing in a band. I mean, I'm so bad. 
so so bad, but I don't care. I still sing at the top of my lungs, and I appreciate it, as you know. If you guys um, don't follow Debbie yeah. on social media, can I go ahead and request <laughs> that at I am Deb, you follow her and watch her Instagram stories where she belts out I, I whatever's care. on the radio. Yeah. You're, it's, I, it's the a, best thing fact, ever. I've sent a personal one to Brandy. Yes. <laughs> Number? I'm so very lucky for that. I actually think you're a really good singer, and I'm being serious. Oh, I think you're a great singer. That is did, very we, did we talk about like your dreams of being like a Grecian pop star at one point? Can, can you imagine? Yes, I would have loved to have been a Grecian pop star. That would, I mean, there's still time for that, to be honest with you. It's a very small country. There are only 11 million people there. Maybe I can make it. But yeah, so, the, so then when, when I got to high school, I wanted to be in the music business. Oh my gosh, I'll tell you later. I, st- I tried to start a band with my friends and they were like, can you please stop? I was like, listen, oh I think god. we could, I wanted us to be white girl rappers. And they were like, oh my god. Remember yes. I told you? Like, and I was like, why can't we do it? There are white male rappers. Why not white female rappers? I think we'd be great. They were like, what is wrong with you? Nobody oh wants to be in a rap group with you. I was obsessed with it. And so I got mad at them when talking to them for like a week. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You'll see my F people them. come to you. F them. I want to hear a flow. <laughs> you need to record That's something for us. A momhood oh, jingle, a rap jingle. You know, as soon as this is over, I'm going to put some work into it. I'm, I'm going to put the please. time in and I'm going to send, please, I'm going to drop please. it. I'm going to drop it next Tuesday. I was going to say, ultimately, I know you ended up going to NYU for journalism school. So at what point did, or, or that's probably not the right way to say it, went to NYU and majored in journalism? What was the, what would be the right way of saying that? Well, Okay, so because I was obsessed with music, all right, this is yeah. what ends up happening. I uh, I graduated high school at 16 because I started school so young. Uh, so wow. my parents would not let me leave to go out of town for college. And I was, again, so mad. Like, how dare you? I am an yeah. adult now. I mean, I think back at the ridiculous things I have said as a teenager, and I, I, I want to go back and kind of smack myself, to be honest. Of course. So All of us. Um, I... I uh, applied to a school called uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. It's VCU. It's in Richmond. And it's like a huge school now. I mean, it's a really great art school, really great law school, just really, really great school. Um, So I get in there and I'm still living at home because they won't let me move anywhere. So I. (laughs) Because you're 16. Because I'm, yeah, exactly. But to me, excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Uh I, uh, I go to my first semester there and. I um, went into the radio station and I said, I would love to get a job here. It's not the, not Richmond radio station, VCU's radio station. Okay. That's like channel 000.3 on the AM dial or something, whatever it was. (laughs) But to me, it was a big deal. So, and they're like, yeah, sure. We'd love to have you in here. I said, well, can I just have my own radio show? Sure. Sure. So I started a radio show. And I, I made friends with a lot of these people that were in downtown Richmond that had like uh, like little cafes and were having bands come through. They were big bands, but they were big enough. Yeah. So I would go down there, I'd get all the flyers, and I'd go down there and I'd be like, because, you know, like these poor people had no idea. I was like, hi there, I'm um, a DJ at the radio station. And, <laughs> and Excuse um, me, I have my own radio I, show. Not sure yeah, if you've I heard of it. And, and I would love to interview you for my show. And Believe it or not, I mean, I got some big people. I got the Mighty Mighty Deftones. I got uh, Danzig. I oh got uh, 
And so you would interview them and have them on your show? I would go to their performance and after the show, I would have my little dictaphone. Wow. And I would talk to them, whatever, and I'd be like, so, and I'd go on the show. Mm. Hey, uh, good afternoon, BCU uh, listeners. I caught up with uh, Dan Sig at the show oh, last week. I mean, give voice. me a break. Oh, so anyway, so, so I, I just kind of created this thing, talking about entrepreneurial. I just, I did that. And then a few people came into the studio. This is how I got to NYU. I know it's a long story. No. So I knew I wanted to work at MTV because of my music, my love for music. I said, well, if I can't be in the music industry, at least I can work for the music industry, right? The Flesh Tones manager came through the radio station and I did an interview with them. This was actually in the station. I didn't have to go there anymore because I'd built up enough of an audience where the people would come to me. Yes, of course. Not naturally. Even, not even, yeah, naturally. So I, I did an interview with them and I said to him, you know, I'm thinking about moving to New York. Of course, I've not told anyone this. Zero. No parents. I haven't applied to oh school God. or nothing. I'm just like <laughs> spitballing. I'm thinking about moving to New York and I'd love to... um pick your brain about like where I could live. And if you know anyone who's subletting an apartment, anything, just some leads. He says, well, as a matter of fact, I'm about to sublet my apartment. He's like, how soon could you be there? And I'm like, I, uh, I'm not sure. So let me look into it. But, but will this offer stand for like six months? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sure. Quickly figure out that I, I can't go to New York unless I have an internship because my family's never going to let me do that. So I applied to Larry King because my mom was like, Larry King. Yes, Larry King. He number one journalism. So Larry King, SNL. And I was going to be like a page at SNL and um, an MTV. And cut to, I'm still going about my thing and just hoping that something's going to pop and hoping that someone's going to call me back. I'm in my parents' kitchen one like Friday afternoon when I don't have school. And I get a phone call from Human Resources at Viacom, which is MTV. Oh my God. And Gosh. I thought I, I was being punked. I'm like, of course, this is my best friend, Anne. This is so mean. Like, <laughs> what are the chances of that? Like, some, I, I just, it was a blind, I just sent wow. it, just sent a resume. So I get a phone call. It says, Doctor, is this Debbie Dotnopolis? I'm like, yes, this is Debbie um, We received your, your application to be an intern at MTV, and we are calling. We'd love you to come up for an interview. I'm like, Oh I was like, gosh. sure, I'd love to. Um, is there a number I could call back? Because I was believing. Yeah. yeah. Bless you, Brandy. You're like, so Anne. Like, Whatever, Anne. F you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is it, you can take a train to New York from Richmond, right? And I did. I took the train. I said, they said, uh, I said, well, can I call you back with a time where I can actually come for the interview? I took the train. I Had went up there. Had you ever been to the Big Apple before? Yeah, but only to go to Greece. I was flying through. Okay. I was only in an airport. Yeah. I'd never been there before. It was it was so <sighs> overwhelming and so like, oh my God. That oh my New God, York so heartbeat. I know. I know. So oh. I get up the train at uh, Union Station. I go to my interview and oh my I, they must have thought this little girl just fell straight off the turnip truck. I mean, I was like this. Uh, I mean, are you are you still 16 at the, you're 17 no no at this 18? time I was 17 I was 17. 17 I was 17 at this time the the girl who interviewed me was this girl Sarah Sirluco so sweet and we ended up becoming really good friends she was from Boston and she kind of took me under her wing because I think she saw like gosh if I don't protect her I'm not sure what's gonna happen she's gonna here. get eaten alive in this town <laughs> oh I love so, that so she um she goes well we'd love to bring you on for summertime for an internship could you come I said absolutely now Mind you, I said yes, but I hadn't told my parents that, oh, by the way, this is what I'm going to do. So I go back and I say, I'm going to go. 
mm-hmm. and this is how it's going to work, blah, blah, blah. Where are you going to live? Oh, my gosh. It's so, oh, blah, blah. So I called this guy back. Brett Green was his name from Flesh Tones, guys. Wow. And he said, yeah, you can come rent my place. I can't. Now, I it, can't it was, with this. It is like something straight out of a movie. Do but you what know kind the of place? place? Can you even afford oh. his place? Okay. You would not believe. Today, I probably couldn't afford it. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was on Bleecker and Mercer. Orly. Shut up. Yeah. Can you imagine? On Bleecker and Mercer. And oh it was my God. It was the most amazing building ever. And I I go by there every single time still. Yeah. And I'm You're like, like a wow, neighborhood first neighborhood mm-hmm. boner. Yep. I, <laughs> it's such a it's such a great area. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. You just walk up and down Bleecker and it's on NYU's campus pretty much. So fudge. Yeah, it was in the in the West Village. So I said, well, gosh, you know, I'm just starting out and I really don't have a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, what do you think you could pay? I was like, I probably could pay like $850. And that, that's a lot of freaking money yeah. back then, especially with I was going to have my mom pay, help me pay my mom and dad. And then whatever I could make, I was going to pay. And I had some savings and I thought, okay, well, I'm only going to be here for six months anyway for the internship. So, you know, whatever. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'll give you the upstairs loft. And I'll see if I can sublet the downstairs bedroom somewhere else. Because it was like a, a, a three-story thing. Duplex. So, triplex. Yeah. So I slept in the loft, which was, it was, for $800, you would die. I mean, it was, it was smaller than this, for sure. Really? It was, it was tiny. But I didn't care. Again, I was wow. like, I, I went to, to Dwayne Reed, which is like the CVS, and got uh-huh. cardboard uh, furniture to put my clothes in. Yeah. Like, I had a cardboard yeah. dresser, and I was the happiest person you've ever seen. So that, then I, tra- I I started working at MTV and when it was time to go, I went in and said, okay, I've done my internship. And I went mm-hmm. to the boss and I said, thank you so much for the opportunity. I have to go back to um, VCU now. They, I'm getting my credits for school and I need to finish school or because my parents will never let me move back home if I don't finish school. Like to, to immigrant families, school is everything. Like I, I remember my father is, was amazing, but he had some serious tough love with me sometimes. And he said to me, if you don't finish college, don't come back here. And I was like, what? He said, no, I'm telling you, I didn't have that opportunity. Your mom didn't have that opportunity. You have every opportunity in the world. You were, you were born in the greatest country in the world. Like my family, my dad loved America so much. I said to my boss, okay, thank you, blah, blah. And he said, no, stay here and, and we'll hire you as an, uh, a PA, a production assistant. I said, well, gosh, I'd love that, but I have to finish school. And I told him what I just said to you. I said, my, they, they won't let me come home if I don't finish yeah. school. And he yeah. said, you'll finish school. He goes, why don't you transfer to NYU? And I go, well, I don't even know if I could get in there. He goes, well, I went to NYU. I'll make a phone call. Oh, my God. This Stop man, it. and I say it all the time in all my interviews, he has no idea. He changed the trajectory of my life. Like, oh he had no gosh. reason. There were another 50 interns. He called. He said, I'd like to send some transcripts over. He called the dean. To this day, I still oh talk God. to that dean. And that dean's like, wow. I mean, and I've gone oh and spoke at NYU goodness. many times. So he's like, wow. Get the, get the transcripts over here. So we send the transcripts from VCU. I lose a year of classes because a lot of the credits didn't transfer. transfer. Yeah. And, and I had to go to school year round through summertime to make up for the lost year. So Mm -hmm. I went to school for about, I guess, four years solid without a break in the summertime while working at MTV. I was working in the news department. I had to like log tapes. I had to make sure Mm -hmm. all the elements were there. I'd have to be in the editing room. I'd have to do, do all this stuff. And he said, as long as it's done by the deadline, I don't care when you do it because he knew I was going to school. So he would come up and I'd be at the ta- at the deck with the, the 
beta tape in there where my headphones trying to log and he'd yeah. be, and I'd look at him and he'd be like, how's it going? I was like, good. You know, I'm almost done with this. Blah, blah. And he would say to me, no, how's school? Oh, Isn't that wow. nice? I know. I was like, what a great human. I mean, I have no idea where you are, no, Dave Saronic, but thank you. <laughs> so I got yeah. through school. They gave me a huge party at MTV when I graduated. Oh. I mean, it was incredible. And, and I'd already left MTV and gone to The View. And they still okay, gave wait. me a, Yeah, when did you know you even wanted to be in front of the camera? When did it yeah. change from music behind the scenes to being an actual on-camera host journalist? Well, when well, so I was going to journalism school. I went to NYU Journalism School because I realized, again, like when I was doing all the stuff at the yearbook, I started working for the newspaper there. And I just liked it. I just realized, yeah. gosh, I really like this. Mm -hmm. I really like knowing about people's stories. And, and did you and, know... Did you know, Debbie, that there was a way in which your desire to be an entertainer and do all of those things and make people laugh and be the person that sort of diffuses a situation and journalism, which was a little more behind the scenes, did you yeah. know that there was a world for those th two things to combine where you could actually do them together? Well, I learned that, interestingly enough, because I signed, when I, even at VCU, I was a journalism major. Like, I signed up as a journalism mm -hmm. major. And then I transferred to NYU as a journalism major. But... The only reason the journalism major was there was because I was interested in the music and I was doing, I was like, so let me do this music stuff. So then when I got to MTV, bless you, when I got to MTV, I realized, oh, this is the collaboration of both. Yes. Because it's yes. journalism, but it's fun. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It doesn't have to be hard news journalism. Yeah. It is fun journalism because at the essence, journalism is learning about people's stories and being able to share people's stories with the world. And I become the vessel to share it with all of you. It's not my story. I'm doing the best I possibly can right. to convey this person's story to all of you in the best way I can. So right. being at MTV and realizing I get to do the best of both. I get, yeah, I was behind the scenes, but they would still send me to interview the bands. Yeah. You know, I wasn't on camera, but I still got to learn about these people. And then I'd have to put a story together in two and a half minutes or three minutes that they would run on MTV news. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's, ironically where I realized, oh gosh, I, not only can I do this, I can do this and really enjoy it. I'm not going to be stuck doing like some really hard hitting news that is going to be depressing and, you know, not, not the most entertaining. I'll do the best I can, but you know, I'd rather be able to do something a little more lighthearted. So then I, um, so then, okay, cut to, I'm, I'm I like, I'm, I, I'm at a party at someone's house on the Upper East Side because my friend, speaking of wanting to be a journalist, wanted to get into news and couldn't crack the New York market because New York market's super hard. So he was working behind the scenes at news stations and blah, 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 blah. And then finally, someone gave him the opportunity to be a weatherman in Idaho. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's like, I'll do whatever I can. Jackpot. To get, to get my phone in the door. So he... Um, he, they were having a going away party uptown at some fancy pants person's house, like super fancy pants. Mm -hmm. And they invited me to go, my roommate, and I go there and I was, you know, an MTV kid and my roommate working at MTV, blah, blah, blah. We're just having a great time. And this guy there says, hey, you there in the chocolate brown outfit, because chocolate brown Ooh. was the new black at that time early. I know you'll appreciate oh. it. Remember okay, that year? The details that you remember yeah. right now, like everyone's because... name, what you were wearing. <laughs> yeah, I remember I all, want... all of it. All of I it. want a full breakdown of the outfit, please. Okay, I was, I'm so embarrassed for you to know this because it was it. 
hardly a, a fashion statement, but at the time, you know, chocolate brown was hot. Do you remember the store strawberry? <laughs> yes, strawberry? No. I do. Oh, I, do. <laughs> I know strawberry. Wait, okay, what? Okay, it was like on every corner. Strawberry yes. was like strawberry made like um, contempo casual seem like it was high end. Quick yes. fashion, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. So it was like you'd see things in the window, and you're like, or I think there was another one called Rampage. It'll like that. Ra- Rainbow. 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 Okay, so I remember I, I didn't have any money, you guys. I was broke, but I was trying my best. It's an outfit that only gold. lasts twenty four hours, and then it just falls apart. It, it falls apart. It's like made out of paper. It's the worst <laughs> quality ever. But I was, you know, I work at MTV. I'm trying to look hip. Oh, there you go. Oh my god. I think it might be the one I used to shop at in New York. So, I remember it now. I remember the logo. Okay, sorry. Continue. So I, so I was wearing a head-to-toe strawberry outfit. It was a chocolate wow. brown tank top, okay? And it was that real cheesy material that was, like, mm-hmm. stretchy, but you're not sure if it's span- what it is. Yeah. And then, for sure, polyester pants, brown polyester pants that were kind of like, um, not bell-bottom, but um, boot cut, okay? Yeah. With three gold buttons down the front. Mm-hmm. And I think I had, like, my shoe... <laughs> Was I think chocolate brown suede boot that was square toed? I can't. I can't even talk I'm about. I'm actually very wow. into this outfit, and I would wear this today. Please and thank uh, you. Maybe a maybe a variation of it. I think you probably orlyize it? it. You would orlyize it and make it really cool. I would give it to you and you'd be like, not like this, Debbie. But if we change it up like this, no so project. Look at me now. You would do something like that, and it would be amazing. Okay, so anyway, okay, so sorry. So this guy walks up to you. It says you there in the chocolate brown outfit. And he also said from head to toe, which means to me that either he was like, he's my good friend. His name is James Moore. So he's probably he wasn't dead, but now he is. But he was probably messing with me because, you know, in his over the top, like, please, honey, he's like, yeah, and the right. chocolate brown outfit from head to toe. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's noticed. I'm, you know, fashionable. Probably not. <laughs> so. So we, uh, he says, I'd love for you, what do you do? I work at MTV, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'd love for you to come in and talk to uh, my bosses at ABC. I'm doing a show with Barbara Walters. Blah, blah. Oh, I forgot to tell you, my hair was also pink. Because they would often pull, like, the PAs or the interns. To do and the put beauty them on, segments. Yeah. They didn't have oh to pay God. us. So they would throw us on this. House of Style. They threw me on House of this. Style and paint Todd Oldham. Do you remember Todd Oldham? He was amazing. He was yes. an amazing designer. Yes, yes, yes. He was so cool. So they, they dyed my hair pink with Kool-Aid, like the old punk rockers. And guess what? Kool-Aid does not come out of your hair, ladies and gentlemen. So I stripped it and stripped it. It was so pathetic. And they did it to someone who doesn't have any money to go get a real color treatment. I mean, I was like, this is, I couldn't afford to go get it. (laughs) I love that he saw this young girl with pink hair at some party who works at MTV and is like, you and Barbara Walters would make a great match. You how amazing. What was he think? I said, are you cuckoo? He goes, well, you know, we're trying to start a, a show with a bunch of different women from different generations, different backgrounds, different views. And I'd love for you wow. to come in and meet her. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, this guy has had too many cocktails. He has These are the stories that like young journalists just yes. hold on to. Oh. The idea yeah, that you could accidentally have this sliding doors moment and you open the door and you're at the right place at the right time. Right. And of course you are, obviously we're prepared as a journalist, but you had the look, you had that it factor and he saw it oh. in you. That is insane. Yeah, it, it, but this is, it's, it's, it's insane, but it's also one of the reasons that I say never pass off an opportunity. I almost didn't go to the party. I was like, oh, my gosh. 
I don't want to drag up all the way uptown, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, but it's my good friend. And you know what? I want him to support me. If I ever get something, I'm going to go. If I ever get a job in Idaho as a weather girl. I'm coming. I'm coming, Brandy. I'll be there. (laughs) It was, you know, I, I... had school all morning so I was at school and then I had to go work at MTV and I'm like oh my gosh and now I got to go to this thing and I'm tired of school tomorrow at 8 a.m but anyway I did it wow. so, Debbie how old are you at this point at this point because I'd been at MTV for a minute I guess I was probably 21 years old then okay yeah because very soon thereafter we started the view so I was yeah because soon, like it happened fast so so we <sighs> I I do the I see that he said come tomorrow to ABC and I'm like yeah right oh, I don't give it another thought legit I go to the next morning I wake up rush out of the house basically with a toothbrush in my mouth because I got to get to school because I have to be at MTV by 1030 so lucky for me I can walk to school because I'm on NYU's campus but then I got to take the subway blah blah so I get to school blah. I run out of there I got to be I'm on the subway getting to MTV I walk in and my roommate who works at MTV is like where have you been you better hurry up and get down to ABC or get up to ABC I said what are you talking about? She was like, you told James you were going to go do an interview with them. And I was like, oh my is, God. was he oh my serious? God. You're like, I, I like, thought it was what? my friend Amy again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anne, Anne. <laughs> oh, Anne, Anne. She goes, she goes, Debbie, you have to go up there. Like you told these people. And I was like, and this is before, like, I didn't have an agent for him to call. He yeah, always used to call my roommate. And they were doing a cattle call. This is a blind open call and just doing interviews with people. And he was the casting director. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Meanwhile, wow. talk about remembering an outfit. I was wearing a black miniskirt. Orly, I still have this outfit. I think I showed you part yes. of it in the makeup room. Yes. Remember? And yes. I said, I'll mm-hmm. never, ever get rid of this outfit. Yeah. I have, it was a black miniskirt from Strawberry. Boots to my knees, black boots to my knees that were um, flat, not high heel. And a t-shirt with um, John Travolta's face on it that said, <laughs> no. Bobarino. What? From Welcome Back Cotter. That said, because remember Vinnie Barbarino from Welcome yes. Back Cotter? If anyone remembers that, it was a show in the 70s that oh they used to play on Nick at Night. I'm dying. And it had Gabe Kaplan was Cotter. And, and hair. Yeah. And it said wow. Barbarino with John Travolta's face on it. It was a baby tee, oh white God. with green trim here and around the neck, like a baseball shirt, and a blue Kate Spade bowling bag purse. That was, it was the only thing that was oh. worth anything. I would save all my money to just get something. And it was like fuzzy. It looked like it was like a, a Chia pet. Oh and that's God. how I met Barbara Walters and Bill Getty in ABC's <laughs> building. And I'm going up the elevator. And boy, did I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I'm going up the escalator uh-huh. and I'm looking around and I'm like, oh boy, one of these things does not belong. One of these things. And it was me. Everybody's wearing their suits. I was so like, oh boy, well, I'm here now. So the only thing I could do, walk in with confidence. Oh my god! Because now you just gotta, you, you just gotta own it. Own it. When you show up somewhere and you realize, right, yeah. and there's a bit of a, a little record scratch, you have to own it and you have to be proud of it and you have to yeah. be who you are and stay, stay confident in who you are. You can't crack. That's just a little piece of advice for everyone. You can go get, leave the building and go get in your car and then like crack, but not there. So I go in, I sit down, and I'm like hello and like trying to be like normal and I look anything but normal or just trying to like you know fit the bill and I didn't even know what the bill was they wanted yeah so James is there oh so great to see you blah 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 
So they just start asking me questions about what's going on in my life and, and how I got to MTV and what do I think about this? And what do I think about that pop culture, this blah, 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 blah. What do I think about, um, um, Howard Stern's movie had just come out like six months earlier. What do I think about the Howard Stern movie, private parts? Remember that? And can I ask Debbie, because, and and I don't know this to be true, but I feel like journalism school sort of my, my idea of it would be that it sort of trains you to just be sharing non-opinionated information. It's just the facts. When you were sitting in this interview and they're asking your opinion, did it feel natural to kind of break that barrier and be Debbie and just give Debbie's thoughts? Or were you, was it hard to break that training? Well, it's, it's interesting because just as I, by the way, just as I was starting the view, Mm -hmm. journalism changed immensely. Journalism used to be the way that we were trained before kind of like the Kardashianism of America, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, was that journalism, you do not use your, you do not state your opinion. That changed a lot. CNN Mm -hmm. is all opinionated. Fox news is all opinionated. Even the nightly news is opinionated. And it used to be like when Barbara was trained, you're not even allowed to say if you're a Democrat or Republican or or independent. You do not share your views at all. But what happened was somewhere along the line, the lines got blurred. And, you know, the view, I think, had a lot to do with that, too. But the the view was the first time that a lifestyle news show was even born. Yeah, exactly. And Barbara used to say, if this works, you won't be able to walk down the street without people bombarding you. Because if this works, we are we're changing the way television is made. And she's right. And there were so many copycats after the talk, the real, this, that everybody copied. They even tried to do the male view. But so. So when I went in there, I didn't know what I was there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just knew she was doing a show. I didn't know what, you know, what it really was. So the only thing I could do at that moment was be me Yeah. because I knew that if I walked away and I was anything but me and tried to be what I thought they wanted me to be, well, okay. Uh, maybe they want me to be this. So let me try to tap dance and try to see if I can be that enough. So they believe me so I can get the job. Yeah. I thought if I do that, then eventually I'll be found out. Number one, you can't keep up that charade for too long before the public knows. And obviously before the people around, you know, and number two, even if I don't get the job, if I don't get the job, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I wasn't authentic. If I just was me, maybe they would have seen me. So if I got it or if I lost it, at least I did it on my own volition and by who I was. And I'd say, okay, so they didn't want me. But that's okay. Rather than I tried to be somebody else, maybe I should have been me. I mean, that is, if I could give anybody one piece of advice, it's don't, don't spend your time comparing yourself to others. It's the biggest waste of time. The biggest waste of your time. Trust Mm -hmm. me. The only person you're going to compare yourself to is you and do not try to be anyone else than yourself. Wake up every morning and be the best you that you can be. And trust me, every single day, every single one of us could be better and could learn something. And that's why we're here on this planet. You know, if we knew everything, how boring would life be? So it's like, if you can, if you can be you, the best you, no one can be a better you than you. Why do you want to be a second rate version of somebody else? Like a ripoff. Hell yeah. So so Debbie, tell us about, I mean, the view was such a pivotal moment in your career. Kind of give us a snapshot of what you've done since the view. Cause I do want to get to a little bit of motherhood before our time with you is up. Um, I know. How long were you at The View and then where did you go from there? At The View, I was there for two years, two and a half years, and it was the most incredible experience of my life. And also, who 
it was like, talk about journalism 101. I was thrown into the water and they were like, swim kid. And I didn't have any floaties and I didn't know. I mean, there was like three, two, one, the red light came on and you better smile. And it was live TV. It was the most incredible training ground I've ever had in my life. I, the best experience and the most frightening and the most overwhelming, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It was incredibly difficult, but incredibly enlightening at the same time. And it's made me who I am today. Like, I don't think I could, there aren't many circumstances that I could be in now on television, on live TV or in public that would, would shake me because of having that experience. And I'm so grateful for it. I was basically a kid working at MTV with a very little television experience. And Barbara was like, let's put her on. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to train her. We're going to do it. And they did. It was like a master class in training from Barbara Walters. I couldn't have asked her anything better. I mean, it was incredible. Just watching her was enough. She used to, she said some really incredible things to me. One of the things she said to me was, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. You're late. And talk about tough love. Like she had a lot of tough love lessons for me, but very valuable. And I feel really fortunate to have had those. So I was there two years. I was obviously so in over my head. I ended up getting fired from there, which again, without, without failure, you're not going to understand success. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was fired at 24. I I was on that show hired at 21. We went on the air at 22 and by 24, it was over. I was like, oh my gosh, my life is over. My career is over. What have I done? All I wanted to do was make them proud. And in the end, it turns out that perhaps a 21 year old (laughs) who was working at MTV really did not have enough life experience to sit on a panel with women. The youngest person next to me was, was 20 years older than me. So it was, yes, it was multi-generational, but perhaps my experience in life Mm -hmm. wasn't enough for people to really value at that time. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because the, the idea of the view is you have to have life experience. The only life experience I had was up to that point, living in a Greek household, moving from there to NYU and working on MTV. Mm-hmm. Now, these are women who have been journalists for years and had had many different careers and many different iterations of their lives and had children, this and that. And I was just figuring it out. And I was figuring yeah. it out on live TV. Yeah. And it was, oh my gosh, it was really painful because people say really mean things and people can be very hurtful and very hateful. And you're just a kid and you're like, but I don't understand. I'm just doing what you told me to do. But and you could get beat up hardcore and it really helps you develop a thick skin. Mm-hmm. And also it going back to remembering what my family always said, you know, you are you like, you don't try to be somebody else, just be you. And, yeah. and unfortunately in that moment, me wasn't good enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that is where it really hurt because I wasn't playing a role. Me wasn't good enough because I was a kid. That's it. Yeah. It, it, but and it took me to get to this point, well, not to this point, but it took me you know, 10 years to then look back and go, my goodness, if they had only hired me at 31, yeah, yeah. what I could have shared, uh-huh. what I could have shared with the world. I mean, to this day, I'm still the youngest person in the history of television to have a, a co-host position on a network show. Oh my God. I don't think they'll ever hire a 21 year old again after how yeah. I was. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. So I was at a Prodigy concert last night. Oh, it was so much with <laughs> like, what is this? I mean, I was like, and so then I went and did this really cool bedazzle on my nails. 
I mean, oh again, God. I was very yeah. young and they're talking about like Bill Clinton and politics yeah. and yeah. I, just such a different ball game. I mean, it's all water under the bridge, but at the time it feels like your life is over. Absolutely. And I had to pick myself up from my bootstraps and say, no, it's not over. You know, my dad, again, go back to that, that idea. He moved his whole world across uh, his whole family across the world. And he's yeah. okay. He didn't even yeah. speak the language. Again, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You were on a national television show. Stop crying. Get up. Let's go. And so how so did I you did. pivot? What did you do next? So next, oh, here we go. So then my agents called and they said, well, you can't, you want to go work at Fox News? Because what else are you going to do? You're going to Fox News or are you going to be a, 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 a person or one of the people on soap operas? Because those are the only two things that shot in New York at that time. So I said, well, I don't know. He's like, you got to move to New- to L.A. And I'm like, no, I can't. My family's uh, in Virginia. Oh, my gosh, L.A. I don't even know. And again, pick up your stuff, go to L.A., go with- do what you have to do. So I moved out here and I got a job working on a, a channel called TV Guide Channel, which doesn't even exist anymore, um, with Katie Wagner, who is Robert Wagner's daughter. She was my first friend in L.A., and we became like the, and she took me under her wing cause she grew up here and she's like, Oh girl, that person's going to be like that. And that person's going to be like that. And she's a, she's a product of Hollywood. And she's like, don't worry, I got you. And she yeah. took care of me in such a way. And still to this day, we're still best oh, friends. I mean, she's like, beautiful. she really protected me in a way where I would have had no idea again, bright eyed and bushy tailed straight from New York. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, believing people. And she'd be like, no, no, no. So, and then from there, I, I started working, I did a show on TBS and it just kind of, just kind of unfolded, but I, I didn't really, I was kind of still floating and just taking jobs here and there and trying to figure out like, what do I really want to do here? And okay. then I got, um, a job at, oh, speaking of Fox, Good Day Live. Mm-hmm. So Good Day Live, it was like the, the flagship show here in LA, it was Good Day LA and they wanted to take it national. And they said, well, why don't you come on and you do the national hour with Arthel Neville and Steve Edwards. And so we wow. did that for two and a half years and it was incredible. And this went back to actually a little bit of hard news. So here I was where my journalism yeah. degree mm-hmm. and the hard news department was really starting to come up and, and help me. Now, this was I don't know, six years later since I'd had all these other gigs and the show ended up being a massive hit and everybody it was very well received. That show got canceled as things do. And as that show was getting canceled, E said, Hey, we'd love for you to come over here and do some of our red carpet. I'm like, okay. So I started going over there and I started doing some of the E's red carpet. Um, and then they said, we'd love for you to, to host fashion police because we're going to try to bring it back. Joan had already left. So they tried to bring it back. So I launched, relaunched fashion police for them. And then I was there for almost 10 years. And then within the time I was there, they, they launched, I mean, Ryan Seacrest and I started the same month. And I actually Whoa. trained Ryan Seacrest on the red carpet because he had never done a red carpet show before. He and I were all <laughs> there. And I remember not wearing my shoes. I was like, I can't wear my shoes next to you. I look <laughs> like a giant. So I took my shoes off and was, was barefoot the entire time. That's we did the, his first red carpet event together was the Golden Globe. Wow. So oh, my God. I love then, that. It was, uh, yeah. It was, and then we, um, then we started Daily 10. And it was me and Kat and Sal. Mm-hmm. And we did the Daily 10 for, I don't know, four years or so. And then my dad got sick yeah. and I left Hollywood. I was home for three years. What I think is so amazing about that and, and you know, I remember knowing knowing that obviously that story, but after 
knowing you longer, our relationship getting so much closer over these years and me being in this industry for longer, it really proved like that you walk the walk as far as what your family means to you because walking away from an industry like this when there's momentum and there's work with no guarantee that anyone's give going to give a shit about you when you come back yep. to be with your family to be with your father when he was sick to be there for your moments with him to support him your mother your siblings like that is real walking the walk and putting yeah. family first and that could not have been easy because that's not a no-brainer situation mm-hmm. That's a big decision. Was it a no-brainer for you, though? You know, I think both of you, because I know both of you pretty well, and I think both of you would do the same thing. Like, if you were ever, I hope you're not, I really hope you're not presented with this situation, because it sucks. Like, I always say, when when somebody loses a parent, I say, you're part of a club you never wanted to be a part of. Trust me, but we're all going to get there. Every single one of us is going there. You know, no matter what you do, we're going to all end up in the same place. And when I got the phone call from my mom, I was actually on set at E. And she said, your dad's in the hospital. He fell down. We don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, what? So this kind of unfolded over the next six months. And every time I'd go home, I'd seem to deteriorate more and more. And he was getting tested, but they weren't really saying what was what was wrong with him, what what happened. Eventually, for people who don't know, my father passed away of ALS, and it is one of the most debilitating neurological diseases and probably one of the most hateful diseases anyone could ever have and anybody could watch someone go through. Because what happens is your brain is 100% intact, but your body stops. So you become a prisoner in your own body, and you can't eat, you can't swallow without help, you can't lift your arms. At the end, it was just his eyes, and he used a computer to be able to talk with his eyes, and he would like look at the... The, the words or the letters and they would spell words for him. I mean, my dad was still so sharp when he passed away. He could do the New York Times crossword puzzle with me, but couldn't speak. He could only do it with the computer. It is devastating because they know that they're dying and they know that they're like, eventually your lungs collapse. So when I found out, yeah, Orly, it's, you guys would do the same thing. You'd be there. Mm-hmm. You would. And I, and I know you say, oh, it's not a no brainer until, until you're faced with it. And then it's a no brainer. It is a complete no-brainer. I'm like, you don't want... If, if this industry wouldn't want me when I came back yeah. because I chose my father, because I chose the... I have one dad. There are plenty of jobs. Yeah. But if, if they were to say to me, no, I don't... I, I We can't hire you because you stepped away. Well, then I don't want to work for people like yeah. that. I mean, it was... It's awful. It's awful. I mean, and I know how much both of you love your dads and I know oh. how much your dads love you and... It was hard and it was awful, but there's something, it, this is going to sound kind of strange. And if anyone's been through it, they'll understand. If anyone gets there when they do, maybe they'll remember my words. But if there's, there's something really beautiful and really peaceful, and I feel so honored and privileged that I was given the opportunity to be there to help him kind of in his last days and cross over into another life because there's something really beautiful about that mm-hmm. and and really like um it's it changes you and it also changes your perspective on life in a way that yeah. it's 
these are all just peripheral things. These are all just, yeah, we're all hustling and we're all doing this and we're all trying to make, we're trying to make content and we're all trying to share our stories. But at the end of the day, you know, we're sharing our stories. We're sharing other people's stories at the end of the day. Like what's the most important story in your life? Yeah. What's going to be your legacy? Is it going to be, oh, my TV show or yeah. me and Barbara Wall or yeah. this or that? No, my legacy is going to be my family and how much I love them and what I could give to them yeah. and what I could leave for my child and hopefully, hopefully raise decent, wonderful human beings that can continue to put that goodness into the world. Because you know, at the end of the day, we need each other in a way that I think people forget. And this last year has kind of made it really great because people mm -hmm. remember, God, we really, we need each yeah. other. It's not about every man for himself. This is a collaboration. Yeah. It's a, the, the world is a collaboration. Unless you're on board, we need to take care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back to Virginia and I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm all in. And I, whew, yeah. and I would take him to, to therapy when he was able, I'd have to pick him up and put him in the car. I mean, it, I had to bathe my own father. I had to feed my own father. I had to do things that, and I, and I remember one time he said to me, and it took him forever. He said, I'm sorry. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm only sorry. I wasn't here more. Oh no, God. don't be sorry. And it makes me like sometimes think like, gosh, I, I just hope he, when he passed, he, he knew that it was my pleasure. It was not. And I said to him, it is my pleasure to do this for you. It is my, like, I am so thrilled that I can be here to do this for everything you've given me. You sacrificed your entire life to make sure I could be here. Yeah. You are the reason that I even have the opportunity. You are the reason that I got to meet Barbara Walters. I mean, as moms now, we can I understand so much differently what he must have been feeling if we imagine, you know, our children taking care of us and our ch that role reversal of, yeah. you know, how, of course, our children would, would do whatever they could to help us, but that dynamic and that yeah. role reversal and pride for a man who's very prideful and, you know, like that thought, you can so understand why he would have even felt the need to say it, you know? Because yeah. I could I imagine know. feeling the need, you know? Yeah, of course. Like, of course, we'd say that to our children. Like, gosh, I'm so sorry that you, I, he felt like he was a burden. And I said, oh. you are not a burden. You're not. This is mm. you're the most amazing human ever on the planet. And even when um, again, when it, it would take him like 10 minutes to speak, anyone who knows ALS knows that the, just to get a, a sound out is so oh. difficult for them. And then they'd be exhausted and just like want to go to sleep. So he, I, I, you know, the story really, I've yeah. told you this before where he was, we were listening to something on the radio and they were like, Ooh, um, come to Bali or come to, it wasn't Bali. It was, um, oh gosh, it was Seychelles or something like that. It was like, say, it was like one of those really amazing Fiji. I think it was Fiji. And I said, mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I would love to go there someday. And it took him probably five to 10 minutes to get it out. And he said, not someday. I'm like, what do you mean not someday? Like, you know, I was like, not someday, yeah. today, today. And I said, dad, I can't go today. I'm taking care of you. What are you talking about today? He said, today, not someday. Look what happened to me. He said, tomorrow is not a promise. It is not a promise. You yeah. go today, live your life today. There is no tomorrow today. Oh, I tried desperately to remember that every single morning and think, you know what? We're so lucky to be here. We're so lucky to have 
every opportunity that even we're given just for waking up, just for breathing, yeah, yeah. you know, just to wake up and breathe is a gift. To have our the, health, the fact have our that we, family, that we've been chosen to even be on this planet, that we get to wake up and see the sun because at the end of the day, at the, the end of his life, all he had was being able to wake up and feel the, the air on his face from a window and see the sky and the sun and look at nature. And, and, you know, people say, oh, if I was given, if I was at this point in my life, I'd want to die and just someone just make it easy for me. I don't think, you know, if you would want to or not until you're faced with that. Cause I know that he was that kind of person and he used to say, oh my God, I'd never want to. And then when you wake up in the morning and I'd see him just look and I'd think, no, he's just happy that he gets one more breath Mm -hmm. for one more second on this planet. Debbie, did you feel him with you through your pregnancy and in being a mom and in raising Alexandra? I'm sure you hear his voice all the time. Just like, what are ways in which he's influenced the kind of mom that you are? Oh my gosh. Every single one of them, every single one of like, I have become my father in such a way (laughs) that it's, you know, I, I also do a lot of tough love and I'm also, oops. I'm also very strict where I said, I'd never be that mom ruining my life. And now I'm that mom, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, um, when, when I was pregnant, he was with me the whole time. As a matter of fact, the ultrasound that the first ultrasound that we got of Alexandra, that's like 3d ones that look so cool. She looked exactly like my dad. And I thought for (sighs) sure I was having a boy. I'm like, Oh my gosh. My mom's like, she looks like your father in the ultrasound. I said, I know this is crazy. This is insane. So I had already known she was going to come out. Her name was going to be Nico. I was going to name her for my dad. Uh And that was it. She comes out. John says, we made a girl. And the first thing I said was, (laughs) the first thing I said was, are you serious? He goes, you just had a baby, and the first thing you say is, are you serious? I go, wow. No, it's impossible, because I didn't want to find out if it was a girl boy. I go, it's impossible. He goes, no, it's not impossible. She's a girl. I'm like, wow. Oh, my gosh. So she looks like my dad. And so I thought, well, then we'll name her Nika. You know, maybe we'll name her Nika. Yeah. And then we, we ultimately um, uh, agreed on Alexandra, which is one of my great aunt's names. And the first thing my daughter said this again, believe what you want to believe, believe in the, you know, the universe and all kinds of things and how the universe sends you signs. Cause my dad constantly mm-hmm. sent me signs and he still does. Like I'll look up their things that he and I only knew and I'll see it in front of me and I'll say, Oh my gosh. And every time that happens, I go, hi, Baba. Cause yeah. I know he's there with me and he's, pretty, I'm like, he's with me right now. And he wants to be remembered. Like people who pass want to be remembered. And that's why when people say, I'm sorry, I don't want to upset you talking about your dad. I'm like, you're not upsetting me. It is the greatest joy in my life to talk about him because he wants people to remember. They all do. So he said, so Alexandra's first word was socks. And her second word, I know it's like, why socks? Maybe because she'd hear me say put socks on. Her second word was Nico. No. Swear to God. Nico. What? I'm going to tell you something. It's not as if I was saying Nico in the house. It's yeah. not as if she heard Nico anywhere. My nephew's name is Nico, oh, but that's it. Yeah, and, you're not, and, and your nephew's in Virginia, right? Is in Virginia. So it's not like and you I guys said, are together all the time? No. Oh and I'm like, gosh. where in the world? I was like, how did she? And I said, did you just hear that, Johnny? He's like, I think she said Nico. I said, I think she did too. And she did it for days. Days. And she would look up and say, Nico. No. Oh, my yeah, God, Yeah, it's like Deb. she was seeing something. I mean. I'm... And I'm like. 
I, I chills. I'm like, is she seeing angels? Like, you know, this is wild. And you know, they say babies are so close to heaven still. Yes. There's, I, yeah. I'm going to butcher the quote, but um, uh, Connor's old kindergarten teacher had a quote uh, that is one of the most beautiful things. And she said something like, it is no small thing when those who are so fresh from God, like choose to love us. And yeah. I had never thought of it <sighs> like that. And when you think about it, like they're so fresh from the other side, like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She probably was yeah. like talking to seeing him. him and feeling him. Oh my God. I just got all the goosebumps. Yeah. I know. And That's... I was like, what? And it's crazy. And then she said, dad. And then mom, I was number four in the line. Yeah. 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 Socks beat me out. I don't mind if my dad beats me out and her dad. Yeah, but totally. I mean, mm. So, so wow. she, she also, it's interesting. Cause like at three or four years old, she said to somebody like, cause they're like, Oh yeah, your papoos in heaven means grandpa in Greek and she goes yeah but I met Papu and I was like no you didn't she goes yeah I did I met Papu when I was little and I was like oh no honey Papu passed away before you were born she said no I met Papu mom Mm -hmm. wow and I'm like oh my gosh I 100% believe and I I said well I'm gonna tell you something I think you might have because you said his that was the second thing you said was Nico that's incredible you should look up and just say Nico and I don't know why you had you you spent like two days with your nephew at that point. I mean, with your uncle. You know, being a mom is like it's a freaking roller coaster. What, what do yeah. you can you describe? Like, what's your relationship like with Alexandra? Like, can you even answer oh. that? <laughs> I mean, how do you answer that? How does any mom answer? What is your relationship with like with your child? I, know. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody can agree that your relationship with your children changes not on the daily, like on the minute. Yeah. Like oh, you, know, you either strangle I, them, want to strangle them, want to hug them at the same time. Yeah, either way. And, and, I, and I'm not sure that cha- that changes much as you get older. I think my mom probably still feels the same way. Exactly. But it's it's a lifetime. It's never going to end. Not a, it's one of the most be- I, not one of the most beautiful thing in the history of the world. And I know that before people have kids, they say these things, and people say these things to them, and oh, it's going to change your life. And you really don't understand it until you actually live it, and mm-hmm. then you go. Wow, now I understand. This is what everyone was it, talking about. This is what they were talking about. And it's it's magical. It's beautiful. It's brutal. Yeah. It's like, it is the most deep love that a human could feel for another human. It's just, you all know that. Yeah. And it's, my relationship with her is interesting because I always thought like, I would be more of the laid back mom. But it turns no. out I am the helicopter mom on top of her every moment <laughs> oh, can help with this and that, to the point where she's like can you stop mom and i'm like i just i'm just trying to help oh. but you know i i'm all up in her grill and i think i need to take a note from you know my parents yeah. and from my siblings who have children too because when i go home to virginia they're like can you chill out get off the kids back like you're always like <laughs> <And I'm- laughs> i just want to help her they're like you're not helping her i you're love not helping her let her be i love imagining like, oh, you as a helicopter mom you know it's like i mean I mean, she goes out. I'm like, do you have the helmet? About the knee pads and the elbow pads, <laughs> and then the this and the that. I, she's like, it's. Can you leave me alone? So you know, I'm, I just I I'm a little overprotective. I think maybe I could take a step back, and I try to. Yeah. But... Well, you also remember how you were at her age. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And. And I have scars on my face to prove it. Right. So it's like me trying to because I got bit by a dog. And had 70 stitches in my face. Here, 70? here, here. 
like 72 oh more right God. there, right there, right there on my arm bit by German shepherd. Why? Because I didn't listen to my mom and dad. And when they said stay inside and I was like, I'm going to get a Becky Barker's house, Becky Barker. And the dog bit me. Oh, of How course. about that? Absolutely. She lived across the street from my house and her father was a retired chief of police and they had a police dog. I mean, and the police dog was retired as well and was a little, and I, you know, being a five-year-old and, and being on the dog's face, not great. Mm-hmm. The parents were inside. Oh my Suddenly they're like blood curdling screeches from across the street. And my mom was inside and they're like, where's Debbie across the street with Becky and the dog in the backyard. Anyway. So Oy. I just like every other parent tries their best to protect the future generation from what we have may have done in the past. But the truth of the matter is we all know that doesn't work. And I know, um, I I, like, am, am smart enough to understand that logically telling someone to do something and try to make them do it is generally doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You have to show them through experience. You have to throw them through example you have to come up with clever ways as a mom to maybe manipulate them a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> totally. But, but I, I really, I'm learning every day, every single day, every single day I wake up and I say, God, please make me a better mom today than I was yesterday. And, yeah. and, and I think we could all be better at, at accepting our children for who they are and, trying desperately not to mold them into what we mm. think they should be yeah. but at the same time trying to protect mm-hmm. them yeah. because what but for I think me it's is also it's interesting all about that... I just want to protect her you clearly were raised right. You know, your parents equipped you with so many amazing tools and a sense of um, purpose and you had a great moral compass. I mean, you always made the right decision and I know you've given a lot of credit to other people that put you under their wing and they mentored you. But at the end of the day, you went to the two largest cities in the United States as a very young, innocent, inexperienced you know, innocent girl. And you still were able to not let that industry eat you up. And you still had, you know, a great head on your shoulders. And when you had to make a choice, you always chose, you know, the right thing. And so I think that it's always important as parents to know that like, we have to just continue to teach our children and hope that when we let them fly, they hear our voice in their head and they know that, you know, that they're capable of making the right decision. Yeah. And I honestly, that those the truest words that have ever been spoken. I really just hope that, I mean, I guess every parent does, huh? You hope that it actually seeps in their head and their little brains and they really do make the right decisions because that's all you want. At the end of the day, you just want your kids to make the right decisions and to be good humans and to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and to not put themselves in harm's way. And all we can do again is just keep saying it over and over and over and try, try to make sure that that somehow that that it lands with them and that we lead by example and you know I mean yeah it's it's interesting you say that because my parents were so strict and there were times where I was so mad and how dare you everyone gets to do everything except for me (laughs) and I remember those times but I think back and I think gosh thank god for those times I mean who knows I'd be running with some girl gang now 
You, I mean, I mean who knows what I would love happen. you in a girl gang, rapping in a white girl. All these things are things I want, Debbie. Okay, I don't want, I want to make sure that we don't, because we're going to run out of time, which is killing me because I could talk to you forever. I really want to talk about Acaria. I'm sitting here this whole time. I have been sipping on my collagen drink. The beauty elixir. I mean, we have all the things, but I want to talk about um, quickly, and, and we're going to we're gonna talk more about it later and on social for sure, but how did this come to be? Because as someone who is your friend and who also works with you and has been in the makeup room with you, I know the struggle for you and your skin is so sensitive mm -hmm. and you've tried a million things and if someone is gonna have a reaction to it, you're the girl. And so a lot of this was the first a lot one. of this was you really trying to find a solution for yourself and it beautifully turned yeah. into something else. Yeah, a thousand percent. So I'm so, first of all, I'm so happy that you have the beauty oh elixir there and Brandy it's has delicious. it as well. Yes. And basically it's, it's so good. It's a collagen booster, it's yummy. I mean, you can just put it in your water, put it in a smoothie, whatever. I'm so happy you have that. Really great ingredients in there. They're helpful regardless I'm of, of your skin. They're just good for you. But, oh, thank you yeah. very much. While you talk, I'm demoing. There. So it started because, again, like you know, I mean, I would come in to makeup and people, it would, I looked like Will Smith from Hitch. Uh -huh. Like when he had the allergic reaction, I was like, oh, I'm not an animal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I looked a mess and they'd be like, what's going on? I'd say, oh, well, Jan or Francine, you put this on my skin yesterday. And, it, and they'd be like, it's impossible, it's impossible. Through the years, they realized, she's probably the most sensitive human alive. Like, Or like if it's something on her skin, they put it on me, my face blows up. So, and this has been happening for years. It wasn't anything new. It happened at The View, whatever. I've spent thousands of dollars on skincare and on dermatologists through the year, through the last 25 years. And they'd always say, take a steroid, put the steroid cream on it, mm -hmm. put this on it. It's contact dermatitis. It's this you're having an allergy. Well, thank you. I'm fully aware that I'm having an allergy. Can I have my money yeah. back? Like, what are you telling me? How are we going to fix this? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> how can we, I don't want your steroids. I don't want a band-aid. I want it to be okay. So it turns out that I Cetaphil was pretty much the only thing I could put on my skin without it, you know, damaging it somehow. So I met this guy who, who had a, a lab there's this great lab here in LA and he was creating beauty products and this and that. And I said, you know what, can I ask you something? And this is, and this is, by the way, again, just, a, I met somebody because I went to my friend's like vitamin, like launch. And he's like, oh, we have a lab. We make creams, blah, blah, blah. This is how, again, how, because I went to support someone else. Wow. I said, I am so sensitive and I'm really sick and tired of this. And they tell me there's nothing they can do, blah, blah. I said, but I will tell you something. My mom has always said, honey, what's this, the olive oil from Greece? Olive, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of honey. You put some yogurt on your, my mom would tell me to put yogurt on my face when I was born. And I thought she was crazy. Yeah. I mean, she wants me to put yogurt on my face. Guess what? Turns out people put yogurt in cream. Anyway, so I was like, you know, my mom has always said this. And the fact of the matter is it does kind of work. I was like, the only thing that's really been working when I'm having like wounds or whatever is putting honey mm -hmm. or putting like olive oil on it. That's wow. mixed with water or just, and like basil and, and, um, and um, mountain tea. And I was kind of trying to make these concoctions in my kitchen. Yeah. Now, the thing is, you have to be really careful because when you do that, you can end up burning yourself. Like, of course. <laughs> but I was like, because you have to be really like the right amount of stuff. So he goes, well, let me just try to see if I can get something together. And I said, okay, can you try to put these ingredients in it? So we started with olive oil. We started with, um, with honey, bee propolis, and some of the mountain tea. He, the guy comes back. He said, yeah, I think I have some that could work. See if it'll work yeah. for you. 
It was so good, so good that it made Alexandra's eczema go away. And they wanted me to put steroids on Alexandra's eczema. So, you know, every time I'd go to a dermatologist, they would give me eczema cream for her that had steroids. And I never wanted to do it because it should be like, mommy, it makes my skin feel weird. And it was dying her skin or or like taking the pigment out of her skin. Now it took a little bit longer. It it wasn't overnight. It took a week, but guess what? It went away Oh my! and where nothing else was making it go away. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, that's it. That's it. What are we doing? I need this immediately. I need it. I need it. So it was the only thing that didn't make me break out. It was the only thing I would bring into to Jan and she put it on. She'd be like, wow, your skin is not sensitive. And then I had, is there it the it beauty is. Bomb? And then I had, it's the beauty bomb. And then I had you try it, remember? And I said, I need to know if this works with everybody. Oh. So I had you try it in the makeup room. I had all the girls try the makeup room. Then I brought the spritzer. You guys tried the spritzer. I mean, I, this has been such a journey. And I have to tell Brandy it, it because, a, because Brandy had to pop out just because her kids are coming in going, Mommy, come here. But um, so Brandy, <laughs> you didn't hear this, but doesn't Sonny suffer from eczema? Yes. Debbie he has the, the worst eczema and Debbie, we refuse to just always cover it with stero- you know, steroids every single time. You just missed what Debbie was talking about. They started figuring out that this beauty bomb is the only thing that got rid of Alexandra's eczema. Alexandra's eczema. Wow. The only thing. And I was just so saying, you have to put it on yeah, Sunny. I will. So yeah, no, we do everything it's... and we do the wet treatment and we oh, do like a little too. bleach bath if we if it, oh. there's flare-ups and yeah. The steroidal creams, though, I'm, I can't do the steroidal creams anymore. I got so upset. Mm-hmm. I was so sick and tired of putting steroids on her. I said, this well, is not so okay. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. And it bleaches the skin and it's just not good. So I started putting the the um, the beauty balm on yeah. her. Okay. And by the way, it, it won't be overnight, just so you know. It's yeah. going to take longer than, than what they give you because it's what they give you have chemi- has chemicals in it. It took a week. Wow. And her flare ups aren't nearly as bad anymore. I mean, it's so all natural. Cool. It's honey, it's olive oil. It's royal jelly. It's oh mountain tea. It's, everything in it is is um, calming enough mm-hmm. that it will it'll settle his skin. You'll be so. Th- oh. I was like so thrilled. And you've really been working so, on and- this for a long time because we all know, you know, working in this industry, we all know a lot of people who like there's an opportunity. Uh, you know, a particular brand created a line. They're looking for a celebrity to attach a name right. to, and all of a sudden, like overnight, it looks like this celebrity has a brand. We've we've witnessed it because you've come in in different iterations <laughs> with. What do we think about scent? Does it need more scent? Less scent? Try yeah. this. This is the new formula. Like you've been working yeah. on this behind the scenes for a really really long time. And it is, I mean, it's so exciting. I'm so, I have to tell you, I'm so happy and so honored that you guys were all on board with me because it was like a true collaboration in the it makeup so room. Cool. So like really, cool. we had the, the spritzer's not out yet, but we had this amazing oh. spritzer. And so she put it on her face. She'd be like, I love it, but I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> And I'm like, no, no. She goes, I, and I was like, no, I need honesty. Yeah. I, I'm not precious. I don't want you to say to me, I like something just because you think it's going to hurt my feelings if you tell me otherwise, because it's not going to hurt my feelings. I've been through the ringer. You need to tell me honestly. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to tell you honestly. And I could always count on Orly. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's great. It's great. That's oh, great. It's great. Does not help yeah. me. You know, I, I need to make sure it's You're great. Like, for this is a else. business. I need to know the real <laughs> opinion. Yeah. yeah. And Orly would be like, this is way too scenty. I love the scent, <laughs> but dial it back. So I had him dial it back. Orly, I had him dial it back 15% from what it's, you said. And then remember, did you did you finally I mean, it's have perfect. The, I was the, saying right before we started. Perfect. I mean, it's heavenly. Yeah. It really is. I'm so excited for yeah. you with this. This is like so major. And Akaria is the name of this like tiny island in Greece, right? Where people live to like 210. Kind of. Well, Akaria is one of the only five blue zones 
in the world. And a blue zone is a place where scientists have figured out, are, for whatever reason, the residents that live in these blue zones live much longer, healthier, vibrant lives past the age of like 85, 86. Wow. So in Acaria, people live to like to over 100 years old, mm -hmm. like into their 105, 106, 107, and not crouched yeah. over with a cane. They live well. Healthy people, they live really well. As a matter of fact, there's a, in Acaria, the banks, this will just show you how, how um, much faith they have and how long people will live there. The banks will not grant you a business loan over the age of 89. <laughs> because they think, that perhaps they won't get their money back. <laughs> but like, if you try to go get a business loan at 89 in America, they'll be like, what, are you crazy? Oh yeah. My God. Are you ready, right? I love it. Do you have, are you like losing your brain? But cause they know that, oh boy, the chances are of giving them a 20 year business loan. They probably won't live to 120. So anyway, it's, it's a beautiful place in Greece. And it's like this sort of undiscovered jewel and a lot of the um, a lot of the ingredients we are sourcing from there because you know there's something to be said. There's got to be something in the soil. There has to be yeah. something uh, uh, to why the people are living so long, healthy yeah. lives. So we're sourcing our olive oil from there. We're going to source some of our honey you from have there. To. It's the I fountain mean, of youth. Yeah, of course, and it's such. But it has been because of this such a long haul. Because again, mm. like like you said, so many people are like, oh, I just put my name on something. Where so when I'm doing it and they're like, well, we'll just get the honey. I'm like, nope, nope, we can't just get the honey. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, nope, we gotta get that. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do you're it. Like your homegirl will break oh. out. We're getting the right stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. If I can't use it, I don't feel comfortable telling other people yeah. to use it to spend their hard-earned money, especially in this climate, especially yeah. now. Like you know, I I think you know too, Orly. Like I've been trying to do the the Greek lifestyle brand for a yes. long time, and it's been hard. You know, a lot of people have come to me and say, oh, let's do this, let's do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to slap my name on something or promote something that I don't believe in mm -hmm. because I don't want you to waste your money. So I've been trying to do the, the, um, Spanakopita yeah. thing for five years. I've been trying to make frozen Spanakopita that is delicious and actually bring it to, to market. Uh -huh. Not the ones that you have in the grocery store. Like you guys, I love you, but people that are not Greek and eat this, like, this is so good. <laughs> it, it tastes like a piece of dirt um, with a rock on top of it from outside in the driveway. They're so gross. And unfortunately people think they're, that's what it tastes like. It's not. And I know it's doable because my mom will make them in advance, freeze them and take them out for parties. So I know we can do it. It's not like going to change the flavor. I've been through three different, um, manufacturers oh and all gosh. of them have said to me consecutively, uh, just add filler. I uh, just add filler. It's fine. Just put filler in there. People won't know. Ugh. And I said, but I will know. Yeah. But people won't know. It's too expensive to do it the right way and the healthy way. And I said, there's got to be a way. I don't believe you. You can make frozen Italian food and make it delicious. Why can't you make frozen, frozen Greek food? So I that has kind of been, uh, it has mm -hmm. been a real, an uphill battle, but we'll get there. I don't even know if I'll ever make a penny of it. I'll probably lose money from it, but I will know. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes the win is just getting it done. Yeah. It's not about the paycheck. It's about saying, I did yeah. it. And it's a good product. And now I know that people will go buy it and actually know what it tastes like. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not even putting my name on this. I'm not even putting my name on the Spanakopita. I'm not sure. My goal in life is not to be the Spanakopita girl of America. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? I'm doing it because I really believe that there is a void in the market. And there, there needs to be there. 
there needs to be something good. Like I'm actually going to put my mom's face on it. So the little Greek yes. lady. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm not even, you, my presence won't even be there, but I will know when I go to the market, I did that and it's good and people will like it. Oh, Debbie, so there's nothing you can't do, Debbie. It's true. Well, there's nothing any of us can't do. I mean, we're all, we're all, we're amazing humans that have the ability and the capability to do extraordinary things. Like I always say, if I can do it, if you, if you can do it and you can do it. If, if my father who couldn't speak English, you guys who mm-hmm. could not speak English, picked up his whole life and came to another country and was able to, to succeed yeah. because of the opportunities that this country gives us. Yeah. Then it's almost, it is a disrespect to life itself. If we don't try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you can't. And everybody's going to tell, you, no, they're going to be haters. Oh my God. I get haters every day. Whatever. Hater, you know, hate is going to hate. It is going to hate you know, if people mm-hmm. always worried about what somebody else is doing. You need to worry about your own self. Like the only way that you're going to succeed is I don't, what you're doing, what you're doing is not my business. Mm-hmm. This is my business, what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and people will tell you no, and people will try to knock you down, but it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's what you think. Mm-hmm. You have to believe you can do it. You, nobody yeah. else. Cause I could say, Orly, you can do it. But if you don't you believe it, you're believe not going to do it. Yeah. And we can all do it. All of us. There's room for everybody and there's a million different ways to the top of the mountain. It's not, not one way is the way, you know, people say, Oh, I want to be like you and do exactly what you do. I'm like, no, you don't. You want to be better than me. And we do what you do and you'll get there. You just have to believe it. Debbie. I love you so much. I know you guys know that. God, look, I'm a mess. I know. Me too. Me too. (laughs) This is this. I mean, I could talk to you for, for a thousand hours and every little, every time as we're talking here, there was like a million directions. I felt like we could have veered off and made like a five part interview series talking to you. And so I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this with us. This was just, you're the best. Can I tell you, I cannot thank both of you enough. Like, honestly, both of you are such inspirations and I mean it. I mean, I'm so proud that you started this podcast orally. When you sat in that makeup room, you're like, should we do this? I don't know. Blah, blah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great idea. I mean, you know, we have a lot of stuff happened to the makeup room, Brandy. You know, when yes. you've been there. I mean, you practically, you practically announced your pregnancy in our makeup room. Oh my God. I threw up in the makeup room. I barely made it into a trash can. Oh, yeah. I, there's been a lot that's happened in that makeup room. Oh, like, I think I'm pregnant. We're like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you're pregnant. Um, but, you know, I mean, you guys have really made such an amazing business for yourselves. And, and everything you do and all the content that both of you put out on social media is so awesome. And it's so helpful. And it's so inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say like, one of the big things I, I want to make sure that I can get across no matter what I'm doing. I want everybody to feel included, man. I mean, yeah. life is hard enough. I don't want to be you can't sit with us. Mm-hmm. That's gross. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, who what what is that about? I want to be open, not closed <sighs> off. And you guys do such an amazing job of that. And you make us feel like we're right in your living room with you. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with all your social media in case you haven't noticed. I'm like the weird stalker. But also, like, Debbie, you've been such a champion of momhood since the beginning. Our first yeah. and only media appearance. Yeah. Full on appearance. <laughs> oh my god. 
right before COVID was sitting across from you at home and family on that couch. And this is why this interview has just been, you know, it's been something that we've been looking forward to for so long. And so thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and your dad's story and everything. I love you ladies. I really love love you guys so much. And, and again, your opportunities are limitless. Like there's a saying, your runway is long, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a runway and both of your runways are incredibly long. It just, it's up to you what you want to do with it. I swear to you, it is, you're both so talented and so beautiful and so kind and so welcoming and, and likable. You know, at the end of the day, you just have to be likable. Just people want to hang out with you. If people want to hang out with you, then, then you've already won. And Orly, I know I say this to you all the time and I, you, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You have to do the clothing line. Yeah. You have to do it the same way that we're going to keep your dad's business alive. <laughs> you have to do it. And yes, you know, there have been, there, it's just going to be a different iteration yeah. and you know more Yeah. yeah. and you, you, it's a different time. It's a different time and you, it will be a huge success. You can't, neither one of you can waste your talent. Thank you. It would, like my father said, it would be like spitting in the face of an opportunity. Yeah. Do not spit in the face of an opportunity. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. Oh. We will not do that. Oh. Especially don't go spitting now. With no, keep your spit to yourself, people. Um, Debbie, real quick, tell us, everything is always in the description. So if you guys are driving, you can scroll down and click on everything. But for those that don't have access to doing that right now and are just listening, tell us the social for both you and the brand, where we can buy Acaria. Uh, the name of your book, which I have on my shelf, amazing recipes, but just give us that little lowdown real quick. Okay. Well, the name of the the cookbook is It's All Greek to Me. Um, you can find that on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere online. It's there. Um, I really think that you'll appreciate it. Again, that was like a love letter to, to Greece. Oh, it's so and beautiful. To, mm. uh, thank you. I went to Greece and I shot it with my whole family. Again, another thing where people are like, we'll just shoot it in the studio here. And I was like, no, yeah. I want to make it authentic. And I, I'm sure that is such a pain in the butt for people in my life. I'm sure they're probably like, why can't this girl just do what? Because I want to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> I, things could have been a lot easier if I just listened to a lot of people along the way, but it it wouldn't be truthful. So that um, is, it's all Greek to me. It's again, like on, um, on uh, what did I say? Amazon, Amazon yeah. and Barnes and Noble. And I, a lot of the money that I, I make from that book, I uh, donate to the ALS foundation mm-hmm. in America to raise money for, you know, awareness and hopefully to find a cure. So there's that. And then my Instagram is, um, at I A M Debbie M. So I am Debbie M. And I do a lot of stuff with Alexandra on so there fun. and a lot of cooking and, you know, just singing. kind of fun mommy stuff. <laughs> and yeah, singing, which a lot of people probably won't want to hear. A lot of mommy fails. It's good. I always laugh. I'm like, when everybody likes like the perfect kind of idea of what it is to be a mom on Instagram, mm-hmm. like, I want to do one that's only everything is a fail. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what real life is. I can contribute content you know? to that page. <laughs> I would love that. We'll start a new, we'll start a new project. Yeah. <laughs> Failing and then, um, and Ikaria, the, um, it's, uh, the website is ikariabeauty.com and you can get 20% off yes. of everything there. So I'm giving 20% off for the entire What's month the because it's, um, Deb 20. Deb 20. Yeah. Deb okay. 20. And then. The, the Instagram is also Akaria Beauty. So at I-K-A-R-I-A Perfect. Beauty. And then, um, and 
Akariabeauty.com is the website Perfect. as well. And I think that's it. I can't think of anything else. If there's else. anything else that oh we're God, forgetting, how... we'll put it all in the descri- description below so you guys have it all clickable. Um, and, you know, we'll be doing we'll be doing as this comes out, we'll be doing some content on social media. So you guys will be seeing us using the products, testing them out, sharing some of that stuff with you, maybe cooking a recipe from the book. We can go live together or oh, something like that. that. So Oh, my gosh, let's do there'll that. There'll be tons of stuff. I was actually thinking about that. Should yeah. we do like a live cooking thing? Let's do it. You'll walk me that through a recipe. so fun. We can do was, You know, Instagram is. I was having that conversation this morning. Instagram just launched something called Instagram Rooms, and all three yes. of us could go live together. Mm-hmm. What? So maybe we'll do that. I mean, honestly, here we go again with your IT knowledge. <laughs> it's like, she, I think Orly's former life, she was like the head of IT at a huge company or something. That's right. But her name can't Did be Orly. It has to be like Larry. Like, yeah. She was the IT person named Larry. <laughs> we'll change it. We'll change it. Oh, well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this. You know that you can find us at Momhood Show on Instagram. So make sure to be following us there if you're not so you can see all the great additional content that goes on there. And then there's a Facebook group. If you just search Momhood, you'll find us there. Um, Thanks so much for being here, guys. We love you and appreciate you. And I love you and appreciate you so much, you guys. All right, everybody. I love you, ladies. We love you. Bye, everyone.